Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, so this is so much fun because I'm sitting here talking to Jean and Dean Foster, and they are all the way in Hawaii, and today I am in the state of Michigan, believe it or not. So it's not Florida this time, but in the state of Michigan, and Jean, I've been wanting to do this interview with you since I started the podcast, so I'm so, so glad that I'm able to get both of you on together, and you have to promise me, Jean, that you'll also allow me to interview you on my Next Level Salon Leadership podcast because you guys are going to find out shortly why Jean is so integral in my life. She may not even know it. She might might remember some of the details, but I'm going to share right now why these two are so important to me. And then I'm going to introduce them and then they're going to share from their hearts what they what they have going on. But first of all, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. You are fun. All the way from Hawaii. Oh my gosh. I, next next one, I'll have to come there and do it in person. How's that sound? <laughs> oh, we like that. Yeah, it's, it's very good. I have seen your home in Hawaii and it's so beautiful. It's such a glorious view, just absolutely gorgeous. But anyway, um, I want to share with you guys why Jean is so important to me and why she's so important, especially in business, because she may not know this, but I was praying about whether or not I should become a Paul Mitchell school owner. And this is back in 2001. And what clinched it for me was a woman from my church brought me a magazine article and said, have you read this? And it was about Jean Bra. And it was a story about her with the Christian Hairdressers Association. And I thought, wow, if Jean Bra is associated with John Paul Mitchell systems and she's a Christian, then I definitely have to become a Paul Mitchell school owner. And so that was like what, what, like the icing on the cake for me through that whole process, Jean. So you may not even know that, but it was almost like God speaking through you to me. And thank God I did because I aligned with such an incredible company and you personally got to work with Paul Mitchell. I never met Paul Mitchell. And so we want to hear some of that story, but of course, hopefully you'll be on next level salon leadership and we'll hear more of your story with that as well too. And then years later, I get an opportunity to finally meet you through Margaret Cromains. I was talking to Margaret and I said, Margaret, is there any way that I could meet Jane Brock? Cause she was talking about you and she's like, Yes, of course you can. How about if we have tea? And that was the next day and we met up, we had lunch, we had tea, we got together and I got to meet you and I still have that picture. I was just looking at it the other day. It just popped up on my newsfeed, Jane. And I realized that that was a moment in time that was supposed to happen because I didn't realize it wasn't too much long after that that I was diagnosed with a precancerous lesion. And the two of you basically in my mind through God saved my life because you called me up and you prayed for me. And then Dean being a doctor, which I'm going to introduce here in a moment, you had some information for me that I needed to know. And you also taught me how to find one of the best doctors in the country. And inadvertently, I had the most incredible surgery. If you call surgeries incredible, I was healed within four weeks. I was already working out and it was just absolutely incredible. So thank you for saving my life through that whole process and just really 
like being there for me. And that was so important because you gave me so much peace amongst all the anxiety. And I believe that has paid off tenfold years later as I've been able to help other women that have struggled with the same thing. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That is so you cool. You two oh, are amazing. Yeah. Wow. So let me share with you, Dr. Dean Foster. He, um, he is a board certified orthopedic surgeon. He had a successful practice in San Diego involving four hospital trauma departments, plus teaching in a medical department at UCSD. This hectic lifestyle brought him a point of seeking Jesus and travel to the Holy Land. That's on my goal board, by the way. Uh, Dean did his first mission in 2000 and continues to do missions to the present. Well, let's transition over to Jean Bra Foster. She rose from being a single mother and a hairdresser to becoming the artistic director of John Paul Mitchell Systems in 1989. Interesting enough, that's the year that we bought our first cosmetology school, which is an awesome story. And then Jean received the very first North American Hairstylist of the Year Trustees Award. I want to hear about that. And you were recognized by Modern Salon Magazine as one of the top 75 educators of the century. And you recommitted your life to Jesus. And then you retired. And then you and Dean married in 2003. And then in 2006, Dr. Foster learned that he had cancer. And so using that diagnosis and from his experience, you both developed a vision to share the principles of internal, external, and eternal wellness in a Christ-centered program. And now today, you work side by side, sharing cellular fitness, physical health, and Christian wellness as the foundation for eternal beauty. And I know you guys are working on something really incredible right now, but you also owned, it's not in here, the nonprofit Eyes on Cancer. And what you don't know is that also saved my life because right after I took your class and I was teaching your class, I found skin cancer on my chest that I had removed right away. And I knew exactly the verbiage that I needed to do because of you, Dean. And I utilized that verbiage. And so I continue to go to that same doctor. In fact, he found another spot near it that I'm heading back next month. And so I just, but I feel so much more knowledgeable and I feel not anxious about it. So thank you for saving my life in that arena too. <laughs> so let's, let's jump into oh, this. So, oh my gosh. So first of all, I want to know, you've been married since, what was it, 2003? I'm trying to remember. Yes. So tell me what it's like being married to each other. So Jean, first of all, what, what is it like being married to Dean? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, well, we are so opposite. And as a surgeon, he was perfect. And we'd, we'd say he would work on the inside. I would work on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. Both with sharp tools, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, he raises me to a higher level. And I think that's one of the incredible things about um, marriage is that, first of all, I learned how to love right before I met him. And that's one of the things that we talk a lot about is learning how to love true love. And that love that we have for each other has grown and we say there's three in our marriage because Jesus is the head of the household. 
And that because we're so opposite, I was known for quick and dirty and he was known for precise and perfect. And truly I say he needed me because he was so perfect that he got the quick and dirty girl, which he really loves. And uh, she keeps me, he's me hopping. I'll tell you. Yeah. But we have fun together. And there was a call that we had with you, a man that spoke about marriage and he, it's stuck. And you'll remember this when I say it, you think of it maybe as often as I do, but you're either friends, lovers, strangers, or enemies. You're in one of those four camps. And if you're in the stranger and enemy camp too much, you're in trouble. And if you're in the lover and friend camp, uh, that's the safety zone. So whenever you find yourself a stranger, you know, Sometimes lover can go right to that. But if you're an enemy, you got to make friends first and then be lovers. The lover is what greases the skids, right? It's what makes the wheels go around. So got to keep that precious. So true. I love that. Yeah, get out of those other two camps. Don't stay in too long. That's right. (laughs) Or at all, if it's possible, right? Well, I don't think that's possible because sometimes they are so strange. Yeah. And it just kind of makes us mad sometimes. That's right. That's right. He's like, me? Not me. I don't do nothing. (laughs) Dean, what's it like being married to Gene? We have been together for the past year, 24-7. And this COVID (laughs) thing has like, it's just been an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And we love each other. And I can't stress that enough. That love means that you kind of rub up against the other and get a little bit upset and you go and you forgive and you come back and you go and do life together. And it's a healing process. I want to stress how much Jeannie has healed our family. We have an extended family because both of us have been divorced before. And if anyone's been divorced and and is hearing the sound of my voice right now, love will overcome all of it. You just have to settle down and be able to love even though it hurts. Love like you've never been hurt before. And that's what Jeannie has taught me. She has given me the ability to love. And some maybe she'll share with you a little bit about how she and Paul worked together and how they loved each other. And how when he was in that process of fighting cancer himself, how the love was a comfort to him. And how when I was fighting cancer, how Jeannie used that same love, that same comfort to help me. And it's been really an amazing experience to be with her. I'll tell you. This is incredible. Oh my gosh. I think I'm going to call this be love. I knew right away. (laughs) Um, You said something here that I I think that is so incredible, Jean. You said you learned how to love before you married Dean. And I love that. And yes, let's go back to working with Paul Mitchell. What was that like working with him? Talk about that. That was the first half of my life, basically, um, because he changed my life when I started working with him. And I know that all of us that have been in the Paul Mitchell family feel that. And Paul himself was just the kind of man that um, he wanted to have fun. And, and if, 
if we're going to do it, it's got to be fun. And it was really just a wonderful, wonderful, fun time in my life. And I started at 30 and I retired at 50, but he passed in 1989. That was a significant year for you and for a lot of people. And when he passed, that was uh, a change that, you know, cancer, that was my first experience and the worst experience. So mm. it's kind of like the black and white. He'd call it the best and worst. The best was the fun and the worst was really watching that horrible disease take his life. And so much so that when it happened as a diagnosis for Dean, that really freaked me out because we had only was, been married yeah. three years. And yeah. I thought that finally, after my second half of my life, I'd found the love of my life. But learning how to love really came to me from Jesus in that the minute I got saved, I felt a love that I had never felt before. And I had been single 30 years and divorced when my son was four. So um, I had serial monogamy. I had, um, you know, not found how to love until I got saved. And that was the turning point for me in knowing that it's giving love. It's not trying to get love. Yeah. And how to give love. You have to do it the yeah. way Jesus That's does right. it. That's non-judgmental. You have to learn yeah. about a higher love. Yeah. Right. And then mm -hmm. use it and then be part of that. You know? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I love that because you said in the beginning, Gene, that he raises you to a higher level and you can't get any higher than Jesus. And, and let's talk about that. Maybe someone that's never heard this before, right? And and for me, it was really when I was 18 years old, it was the first time I ever heard about Jesus. Can you believe it that I didn't hear it prior to that? You know, there was no social media back then. There was no podcast, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so my sister was telling me and I was like, wow, you know, I was just shocked. And, and so I immediately believed and it was just so exciting. But let's talk to that people that have maybe heard it been on the periphery, they don't really understand, you know, what we're talking about. So when you say that you learned it from Jesus and being saved, you know, uh, what does that really mean? Shall I go again? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, for me, um, the spirit of religion, a lot of times is what churches and what we're raised in and we are on autopilot we're not really in relationship and I was raised a Christian so I knew I thought I knew about Jesus and actually Kelly Cardenas tried to tell me about Jesus when we were working together back in the like I think I was 49 and three quarters and uh, I told him Kelly I knew Jesus as a child so I, you know, don't talk about it at work. Okay. Just be cool. And then a month later, uh, one of my sales reps told me about Jesus and I had an experience. I had an encounter with him that just, I felt his love and that was, that's relationship. And if you get an encounter, if you just ask him yeah, and she had been begging him 
to come into me and she sat with me and and it happened and I did feel a love I had never known before and that is the relationship and when we ask for an encounter and we have a relationship whether you go to church or not but then you might want to be with other people that think like you because there is no high higher there is nothing that can give you the high that you get from Jesus and that's that's love can, can I add something? Yeah, to that? I would love to hear from you too, Dean. Like, what does all this mean to you? Like, talk no, to someone that's never heard it before. You know, there is there is a time in my life when I thought I had it all. And I had uh, a wife and two beautiful children. I had a home. I was investing. Uh, I was seeing so many patients. It was um, incredible and saving lives. And I was just really driven into despair because mm. I felt like nobody loved me and that I was just working really hard for everything and for everybody else and for some kind of goal that I couldn't understand. And I really wanted inside to die. And I think that a lot of times people are driven into despair. And that's when I found Jesus. That's when I found that I needed to do something. I didn't, you know, my parents didn't help me with this or. The, even the churches didn't help me. I, I went exploring and I explored all the different religions and I tried everything. And that, that despair that was inside of me just would not stop. And so I ended up one night just crying my heart out. And I know sometimes it's hard to imagine, you know, here's a senior orthopedic surgeon crying his heart out <laughs> it's like that's a little weird yeah. but it was there and i was like two in the morning you know crying my heart out you know and i felt his presence and i felt him with me and he said it was going to be okay and that he would help me and that was the personal encounter that i had and i think that if anybody needs to understand that it's just reach out from the inside you'll find them you'll find him in your heart and that's where, that's where it starts. It's, it starts with you reaching out to your higher power. And for me, that was Jesus. And you find this, this comfort and this, it's going to be okay. That stops all the despair. And then suddenly things change. And I was transformed into a different person. I don't like the man I was before. And I love li- living with Jeannie now and being the man I am, you know? I mean, we're... We're, we're in our 70s now and yahoo let's go boogie boarding yeah. oh my gosh this is incredible oh my gosh okay so what i loved about what you said and i 100 agree with you that it is the the highest level you could go is jesus and i love the fact that you explored other religions i never did that like i never really i don't know a lot about religions because i didn't grow up in a religious environment at all right our our church was the bowling alley you know, <laughs> that's where we went every Sunday. And so can you talk a little bit about that from your personal experience, why Jesus is the way and not any other religion and, and, you know, talk to that person's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna turn this off. Cause you know, like there's so many other ways to get to heaven, but there's truly, if you read the Bible, there's one way and that's it. Right. So let's kind of talk about that. Like what's your experience with that? 
Are you asking me? Either Dean, how about Dean first and then Eugene? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because you explored. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, Jesus took me up to heaven and I was in heaven with him mm. and with a whole bunch of dead people that were still alive. I mean, here's Jesus who's been dead for like 2000 years and a whole bunch of other people that are like, you know, my ancestors and people that had been looking out and watching over me and a couple of angels and everybody all standing around. And I'm sitting there going, what is going on? Who are you guys? And what? Wow, this is really great. And I got a couple of hugs and, the, and Jesus gave me a great handshake and everything. And then uh, he went through the pearly gates and I saw the pearly gates and inside there was this bright light beyond any comprehension. Mm -hmm. And he closed that door behind him and he said, this is Dean. I want him in my family. And the Lord said, okay, put him with the rest of your people. And then I woke up and that, that was my like introduction to the, the whole process of spirituality. And, wow. and so he's like, you know, showing us that what mm. God did, see God, there's no question now that life on this planet was imparted to us by a, uh, an alien life form, okay? An, an intelligence beyond our comprehension. Cause I mean, it's just too complicated. Just 110,000 genes making me up is just an incredible thing. So, so we know that there's God, there's no question about that anymore, okay? So, but God, when he created us, got totally frustrated with us and said, I don't know about this. And so this whole thing became kind of a battle for souls. And Jesus became the head administrator. Every religion has a little piece of the puzzle. Every religion understands a little bit about God, but God understands himself more than anybody. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. he, he, he knew that he would just like fry us all for our sin, unless he did something to put someone between him and us. And so he created what, who I call the head administrator of the human race and the so planet. Good. Okay. Yes. Got uh -huh. it. And that's Jesus, right? So he, Jesus doesn't care if you're a Buddhist. He doesn't care if you're a homosexual. He doesn't care. All he wants to know is, do you really love me? And do you love my dad? And will you make it up here? Okay. Or are you going to cause a bit, a, a bunch of family drama and we don't want it to be blunt you know yeah. and so pe people that like don't understand that they make up stories about him and they make up things that don't allow them to feel his love and feel his presence and so they live alone and that's such a isn't that a, that's such yeah. a tragedy but yeah. you know with time and with love and care like Dina I've heard you speak about him and it's just an inspiration to hear that and then suddenly, because he approves every single person that comes up there. Yeah. That's, that's his job. Okay. He, he wants to make sure that everyone that comes up there is, you know, living a good life and, and is a good person and will obey the laws of life and, and be a family member, you know, upstairs. So that's why I chose that. That's why I ended up falling in love with him and like following him and wanting to do things for him because I know that he's, good and he's helping a lot of people he helped me and he helped Jeannie and he brought us together and you know yeah. so okay so that's kind of like my story so, you know? I love his because <laughs> he's able to articulate like to me that I'm simple I'm really simple and basically for me I was in 
the worst relationship of my serial monogamy of my 30 years of being single. I, I was really in the worst. I was what you call a bad picker. And I was, um, and my mom passed that year and my granddaughter was born both in the same year. And when my mom passed um, and she was, she always prayed for me, I knew. And I thought, why does she worry about me? She's like, she's supposed to be a Christian. And so that was a judgment because I was doing lots of new age stuff uh, Hawaii, talk about Hawaii. I was studying the kahunas and the, all this occult stuff, seeking, I was seeking. And, um, and yet when my granddaughter was born and I held her, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't want her to live the way that I was living. And I knew that. And so for me, that was significant. I still didn't get saved yet. And I call that get saved because it was such a personal experience of change. And, but the simple thing is, if you are not happy with your life and you seek him, you will find him. And you might not have a dream like, Dean Hatter, you might not have somebody sit down with you and talk you through. It might just, who knows how he'll handle you because he handles us all individually. He's so unique that way. But he, when he came into my life, I knew it. And I knew that I would get rid of all my junk books and crystals and cards and stuff and burn it and toss it and clean it. And um, I thought I would sell Hawaii because I had built here from, you know, coming here with Paul and, and loving the big island. And it was built on Paul Mitchell money. And I thought I got to sell the Hawaii. And I knew I would retire and I would break all the soul ties that had connected me and so I did a really clean break and then you know he brought me back with eyes on cancer into the industry and to the family and that was like a three and a half year process before we were able to give that to a dermatology company SkyMD that you know they do teledermatology like before COVID, like that was so perfect. And now it continues on in professional hands and it had turned into kind of a monster job. We didn't know what we were getting when we thought this was a good idea. Skin cancer, you know, if you find it, you don't ever die of it because you take care of it and it's gone. Right. Unless it's, it's melanoma. Yeah. Well, melanoma, you get it early. It's still- You can still, you can live. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Talk a little bit about new age stuff, because I think being in our industry that we have, I think a lot of people are confused, like what's, what is new age, first of all, and then why is it like wrong, so to speak? Well, I don't know if wrong is the right word, because I try not to say anything's wrong. I try to say yeah. there's one judge and he's the judge, although yeah. the word says not to deal with the occult, that there's one God, the almighty 
Father God and his son, Jesus, yeah. and the Holy Spirit. And through Jesus, who, you know, knows us and came here to sacrifice, yeah. it's Easter week, um, that through him, that door, that avenue to relationship and eternal life. In New Age, there's meditation and there's, again, it's like there's highs and drugs give you highs and even alcohol and, and you know, sex gives you highs, the food gives you highs, but the high of Jesus, he sucks in his tummy. <laughs> uh, I, really I am too. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> it's such a better high, and it's yeah, and high. what is new age like? Real, like, what is that? Because I really am not aware um, exactly what it is. Okay, let me let me share. Okay, mm -hmm. so so when you look at the spiritual world from God's perspective. He allows multiple kingdoms, kingdoms that are formed um, on the basis of different religions or philosophies, mm -hmm. even atheism. I mean, there are, there are different places for different theories, uh, theologies, different ways of being, okay? Now, life is a journey. And as you walk the path, you have the option of going into each of these kingdoms. And as you go into those kingdoms, there's a spiritual and a physical component to it. There's something that stirs your heart, okay? I remember going into Buddhism and really respecting Siddhartha of the Sakyas. I mean, that guy got slammed by, by God. I mean, I bet you Jesus was there looking at him under the lotus tree going, okay, all right, all right. You searched for me, you found me. Now what? You know, I mean, they're sitting there like talking, right? And then he comes out and he tells all of his buddies. And the next thing you know, he's got a monastery. I mean, so the whole thing ends up with a Buddhist religion. But, yeah. but the, the point is that there's only one true God that created all of it and is the authority over all of it, okay? And he's the one that gives eternal life. So as I was seeking, I went into each one of these kingdoms and I found something. I found some people. I found things that were, you know, some, was, some things were good and some things weren't. I mean, some things like trying to control other people and make like spells and hexes and vexes. I mean, who would want to curse another human being? That was right. so, so against anything that I had learned in terms of wanting to heal a, a person. You know, I'm, I'm a healer. So I'm, I wanted to heal, not hurt. So as I researched these things, I found that there was always something in that kingdom that was a little dark, that wasn't quite right. Okay, and you know, all this meditation, you start thinking about yourself and you start thinking about your own self-actualization and you forget about God <laughs> who created you and who wants to help you. So it's like, you know, you, you don't want to get trapped in those. You can go through them like I did and learn like I did, but you have to progress in that journey. You have to walk through it to a place that's higher. And you go higher and higher and higher in your spiritual walk until you meet Jesus. And Jesus is the one that connects you directly to God Almighty. That's his dad. And that's his job. His job is to bring us together in relationship with Almighty God. 
No other religion has that authority or power because God made Jesus the only one that could do it. <laughs> so, so everybody can try, but they're not going to make it because they have to go through Jesus because that's the way God wants it. You know, I mean, it's his home and it's his relationships. So that's the way he wants it. So we have to kind of play ball with them. You get, you know what I mean? So for me, for the me, you know, the, the, the seeking is okay. Go and seek, but don't get stuck there. It's like a, a process and it's an evolution in your own journey. And believe me when I say that it's so much better when you realize your destination is heaven, loved by and sitting on the lap of a loving father that created the universe. I mean, that is, you just can't get better than that. Exactly. Have you ever sat on his lap or felt his love? I mean, that's just the most amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I love that you guys talked about like, like look for your own encounter. And I think that's so incredible because it's so true. Like when you feel and you know his presence, like it's, it's like sitting with your spouse or sitting with your children. I always liken it to my grandchildren. Cause I just, Oh my gosh, I love them so much. You like, you know, you don't feel any love. Right. But you can't be love until you get the true love from the highest of highs. You, you talk someone that has is a highest level, like why waste our time here on earth? Let's just go to the highest that we can go. Like this is just too exciting to ignore, you know, through this whole process. But Jean, I, I want to go back to you because, and Dean, you said this about Jean, um, because Dean, you said, I felt like no one loved me. And, and I, I love that because, you didn't know love, like true love, like the true love. I felt like no one loved me. And I hear this so many times, like even in business, you know, we think of, of team, our team members, our employees, or we think of uh, people that are working and they're like, I feel like no one notices all the great that I do. And, and no one sees my problems, right. That I have. And why don't they notice me, 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 me. It's all about that. Right. And they're like offended, like living in the spirit of offense, like constant being offended. Like I should be promoted. They're overlooking me. And, and then uh, Jean, you kind of, uh, Dean, you talked about Jean that um, with your family, like she's kind of helped bridge that gap with the love Absolutely. of that spirit yeah. of offense, which happens in all families, right? Of right. being offended with each other, but you've been able to be that love, right? So talk a little bit about that and what that means to you and what advice you have for people. Well, um, I don't know if you've heard the term eye strain, but when I heard that description, um, when I heard the word eye strain, mm. um, it made sense to me because when we're working from a perspective of me, I, I, me, why aren't they noticing me? Why am I not being acknowledged? Why am I not being loved? And you turn that around to um, a spirit of serving. And that's what we do in our industry. We are born to serve, to give. And when we give and people are lifted up or made to feel better, when we give acknowledgement, when we give beauty, mm -hmm. that's what our industry does. It, give, it builds people and self-esteem and beauty. That is what people are starving for. They're not starving. Okay, can you to, hear me? Yeah. 
Okay, I'm pausing you real quick. So when I heard your description, I remember hearing a phrase that really stuck with me. It's called I strain. It's all about me. When am I going to be acknowledged? When am I going to be loved? What, what's in it for me? And it is natural. That's something that children are born with. We try to outgrow that as we get older. And we try to help our kids outgrow that. And to a spirit of serving. And when you start serving and giving love and not looking for what I'm going to get, when, when Dean and I were just friends, we didn't start with dating. It wasn't a romantic relationship in the beginning. It was a friendship. And Dean said to me, when you learn to lift a man up instead of one-upping, you're going to one-up him. You're going to make a great wife. And I was like, what? Who, me? You know, me, the like ruler of my world. And so it's it's the Mm. same thing when we learn to serve and give. And that's what our beauty industry, if you don't have a servant heart, you won't be attracted to the beauty industry. So I think when people go through beauty school, if they make it through beauty school, they are there to serve. They are there to build up the self-image, identity, and esteem of other people. They are there to bring beauty. And that is, whether it's female or male, whether it's a child, that they see the beauty inside someone and bring that out. And it's more than a superficial experience or service. And so serving is how people start to love you and recognize you. And I didn't start working with Paul Mitchell to get on stage. I started to work with Paul Mitchell because my son wanted to go live with his dad and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I moved to Hawaii and Paul was getting ready to launch the line. And he said, you want to come and help launch it? And I said, sure. You know, I had nothing else to do and getting on stage. It was like he was the talker. You can tell I like a strong man. I like to get beside a man and support and let him be the front of the sphere. That's how I think God made relationships is that, you know, for us women, even when we're strong and meek is more the word for it, you don't have to be bold like the women's movement or like all this this division we have in our world, if everybody would just stop the eye strain and start to care for each other and build each other up, that is how we would all begin to come into harmony and really love each other for it. Because people love you when they make you feel good. You know, they just do. So good. And you kind of hit on something and I, I want to kind of uh, dive back into this. And I also, uh, I'll go to Eugene first and then Dean. Um, I was kind of talking today about watching your motives as a leader, like be careful if you're in it for the power and prestige, because you won't be in it for long. You'll, you'll just lose, you know, and, and here, you know, we live in a fallen world and you'll still lose. Like, cause still, like you said, God is still in control. 
and you'll lose. And so you've got to be in it for the right reasons, but you can't, there's no way you could do it. Cause I remember there was a time in my life that I really didn't know that God really loved me that much, even though I believed in him, I really didn't know. So I had to go searching for him and I was making the mistake of searching for him in all the wrong places. And we have what we call the Bible. It's like, wow, all I have to read is this. And so it took me a while to really understand it, you know, uh, but getting mentors and, you know, spiritual mentors to really help me through that process, you know, and getting into community and the right types of churches. Right. But, and then I realized, wow, like so much, like more incredible things can happen in your life when you are loved. Like if you start loving people, you'll receive it back. And the scripture that really brought it home for me was Luke 6:38. It's my life verse and it's give and it shall be given to you. So if you're not feeling loved, just be loved. And so as soon as you realize how much God really loves you, like have that encounter, it goes right back to that full circle, get search for that encounter, like keep searching him, right? And you'll find him, like you said, seek him, you'll find him. And so going back to that, once you have that encounter, then it's like, whoa, once I start giving love, I get back love. And it's really hard to be offended. And so you just realize like, it's, it's almost like and right now in 2020 and 2021, like there's a spirit of offense roaming our country. Yes. You know, it's almost like I've heard it said that it's like a fad right now to be offended. Like, let's be offended. Let's get offended. And people are posting it, you know, all over social media. Talk a little bit about that. Before I talk about it, I have to say my life verse because I heard yours and I love it. Given yeah. it will be given back. Uh, for me, I was given... Ephesians 320 mm. to him who is able to do more than we could ask or even imagine because of his power at work in us mm. to him goes all the glory forever and ever. And that ties right into yours because when you give him the glory, instead of giving yourself the glory, when you give He's giving through you. you yeah, know. be love, be generous. I yeah. love that. Yeah, just let go of the offense. Like, let's stop this nonsense, right? Yeah. And let's just yeah. be love. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how about you, Dean? Like, what's your thoughts on that? And, you know, I think one of the hardest things, I think, for me and for anyone else is, you know, reading the Bible and God says, love your enemies. Okay. <laughs> cool. Good one. Like, so what? It, <laughs> to, to be able to be able to to be able to truly love to be able to love your enemies to be able to heal this country mm-hmm. we have to overcome fear yes fear is the foundation for self-aggrandizement for uh being offended uh for your your fear causes you to seek your own solution rather than the strength and the power of the solution that comes from above. There is a power that comes when you don't fear, when you love, that allows you to transcend this offense. People are scared. Why wouldn't they be with the, with the co- coronavirus killing people when our national debt is going through the roof, our, our administration and our government doesn't seem to respond? Um, and everybody's offended. And everybody's offended. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Right. You know, but the, 
the point is that the, this country runs on soul, on our souls. It's a, it's a republic, it's, a, it's a, a way of expressing individuality in a collective. And if the individuals are so hurt and so afraid that they seek their own power, their own self-survival and self-actualization, uh, and they don't reach out for the strength that comes from God. See, God knows, he understands, he saw this coming. He gave us the 10 commandments. He gave us Jesus Christ. He gave us, he has, and he continues to give us an outpouring of angels and, and Holy Spirit and people are just ignoring it and yeah. trying to do it on their own. And that's where the fear comes from, because when you try to do it on your own, you just can't do it. You know, I walked into surgery and I saw a guy dying and he literally died on the table. And I was so hurt because that was my first interoperative death that I cried out to God. And I said, please, no, don't, don't let him die. And God came and he came back to life. Wow. So, so it's like, you can do wow. it. You people, you I want you for my surgeon. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would much rather have a praying surgeon and a godly sur a, you know, surgeon than a nine. <laughs> Who's not afraid and who has a power inside of him that's not just his own, but it's yes. God-given. You bet. And that's the surgeon that operated on me, too. And that's what we seek when we're looking for people that want to help us. We're looking for people that have that strength in their heart. Absolutely. Yeah, so good. Oh my gosh. This is so much power in this message. And I know we're getting close to the end. I want you to talk about what you guys are doing with your cellular fitness, physical health and Christian wellness uh, foundation. And then your, is that part of your healing life network ministries as well? Okay. <laughs> so if you could talk about that, that would be great. Let's start with you, Dean, and then we'll go to Jean. Okay. I am truly excited about healing life. When we look at what's happening right now, I mean, on, a, on an individual level, we need to be healed. On a family level, we need to be healed. On a cultural level, we need to be healed. And on a global level, I mean, the loss of species, we need to be healed. Do you see a pattern here? Yeah, healing, be healed. <laughs> yeah, heal life. Yes. <laughs> so, so as a physician, I see a hurt person. I see a hurt family, a hurt country, a hurt world. That we're in the state now of starting to go into the ICU. We need the, we, we need the healing of a, a loving father who created us. I mean, if we're broken, we need to go back to the manufacturer. We need to go back to the guy who put us together with the DNA that we've got. Yeah. And healing life starts within our own souls. If we heal ourselves and we heal our families, then we can go and heal our culture. And then we can heal our country and we can heal our world. It starts with us. It starts within us and in our own families. So Jeannie and I have started a movement. It's called Healing Life, Healing Life Church, Healing Life Groups, Healing Life Network. And really, we, we want to bring small groups into churches that have the intent of healing themselves, healing their families, and healing their church. 
And from that, we can start with a foundation to be able to heal our culture. There is no one, and I mean no one, we all bleed the same. There is no one that doesn't need to be healed and doesn't need God. Even, even people that don't understand, they will when they know how wonderful it is to have their life healed by Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I love that. So you guys are like a modern day Aquila and Priscilla. If you don't know who they are, look it up in the Bible, right? And read their story. And that's what I love. And, and your names rhyme just like Aquila and Priscilla. So that's pretty awesome. That's a good <laughs> Gene and Dean, Aquila and Priscilla. So Gene, talk about how can, uh, talk more about it on your perspective. Okay. And also how can people get involved with this? Okay. Well, we're still coming through what I believe is the, you know, the final phase of COVID and getting ready for the next steps. So just stay with us on Facebook and uh, that's Healing Life Church, or I love your book, Be Uncommon, because we have an app that's called Uncommon Provision in the App Store. Okay. Yeah. And Uncommon Provision, Facebook, and, you know, social Healing Life Church. And I just have to say, the fear of giving something up to get Jesus is absolutely unfounded. That's one of the big stumbling blocks. And I have to say that Jesus' first miracle, he made wine for a party. He was yeah. fun and cool, and he made wine out of water. That he made sex, and he wants us to have a great, abundant, fulfilling, and fun, happy, cool life. And he does that. And you can give your life to Jesus. It's simply as saying, I give you my life, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me all my sins, and I commit my life to you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I will be with you all the days of my life. Yeah. Amen. So if you Forever. if you said that prayer, that's that's the first step. That's what yeah. you know. For me, I didn't have that first step. I just was crying out in my heart and asking him to come and help because I didn't even know it was him. I was just saying, somebody, if there's anybody that can hear a prayer right now, I'd really appreciate it. You know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I want to I want to share with you that uh, healing life groups starts with family. It starts with a good Christian person who understands what we're saying and doesn't have that fear inside of them and has the courage and the, and the love of God inside of them. And they're willing to start praying and we will join you in that prayer so that we will be part of your prayer group. And so when we form these, uh, the Healing Life Network, that it's formed in prayer. And when we start that, it will manifest, it, it will grow not because of us, but because God answers your prayer. I mean, yeah. if he doesn't, we'll go do something else. But no, he is answering our prayer. We've tested yeah. it out and we're seeing blind people healed. We're seeing uh, uh, people that had cancer uh, that uh, responded to treatment now and they are cancer free. I mean, we are seeing people yeah. healed and we're seeing families healed, which is the most beautiful thing. So, so we're just, seeing miracles. Actually. We are. And that's what we test. We wanted to make sure that this would actually work, that the Lord would really answer our prayers. 
uh, before we, we offered it to anyone else. And we've been in it for now almost a year. Yeah. You know, and over uh, a year. And it's we're a now, year and a two uh, weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and okay. we're seeing we're seeing enough now that I think it's it's legitimate. And and please, if you if you or you and Brian or anyone that is hearing this would want to help us, uh, contact us. Uh, uh, Dean J. Foster at Yahoo is our email. You know, that's our personal and, email. And we would really appreciate people that are strong Christians coming on board and being advisors or helping us in some way. Cause right now we are just working within a small group of, of uh, friends and family. Our small so. group meets Monday, Wednesday and Fridays right now on zoom mm -hmm. at five o'clock San Diego time, two o'clock Hawaii time later for you. And we meet on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock Pacific time. And that uh, Zoom link is on our social media. So, perfect. Yeah. Anybody? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so big. And, and, you know, as we close this out, the one last thing I want to talk about is prayer because, you know, I just heard an incredible message by Bill Johnson, Pastor Bill Johnson from the Bethel Church. He's one of my favorite pastors yeah. that I listen to a lot. And he just did a message on warlike prayers, I think it's called. It's on YouTube. And it was powerful. It's really about what you're just talking about. And there is just so much power in our prayers. And I think most people just kind of do it as an afterthought. It's almost like, well, you can always pray. No, that's the first thing on the list. And so I feel like God's like really, really um, working on me. My word this year is surrender. And I think that part of surrender is to just really go into a childlike prayer with him. And I know a lot of people are like, well, I can't pray like you, Tina. Like, no, just start where you're at. Like God just hears you, you know, but he just wants to know, like, how bad do you want it? You know, it's kind of like, um, it's interesting. He used a great example because we rent our home in Florida. And he said, even though we own the home or the bank owns the home and we own it in the bank, right? If someone's renting from me, I can't go into that home. Like the person that's in that home is the renter. And so I can't walk into my home. So God owns this world, which is his home, right? And we're the renters. We're renting from God, right? <laughs> yeah. And so he's only going to come in if we invite him in, right? And so that's the same thing as prayer. Like it's just communication. So that was like so big when he said that today. And I was thinking about that when you're talking about this, because Prayer is the answer, period. Yeah, right. yeah. totally. Do it all. Yeah. And we have a, a on our website, healinglifechurch.com, that there is a free gift and it's a digital book on how to pray. It's oh, wow. really cool. Okay. Healinglifechurch.com. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Uncommon Provision. We've kind of gone back and forth between. Both will take you to the website. Yeah. Okay. And you can get that free book yeah. on common provision. Yeah. I have to say that there is, there is a time in the Bible when God, when Jesus um, turned his face away from people that were praying for him. Yeah. And he was upset with them because they weren't loving him. Yeah. They weren't, they were loving themselves and the religion that they had created. They were loving the power 
I mean, you see it in people that when they're afraid, when, when fear, the spirit of fear grips them, they try to control everything and then witchcraft gets in there and then you have spiritual warfare and it's just crazy. But the overcoming of it, the, the ability to rise above it is to be very simply a child, to ask him to come and teach you how to pray. He'll teach you. He is the one who invented prayer. And when you care for him and really put aside all of your fear and all of your trying to control and all of the things that you think you have to do in order to be able to love and to live, you can actually have him teach you how to love, how to heal life, how to pray for others, to be able to, to reach out in his name to, to change the world. It's a power that is beyond comprehension and it is there waiting for you. And just like, you know what you're saying, you reach out and you start and you just maybe do a little babbling, you know, and like, I don't know if anybody can hear me, but I need help. <laughs> That's yeah. enough. Just Jesus, I need help. God, Father God, send an angel, have Jesus come help, you know, and yeah. that's enough. That is just the beginning, you know, and then as you develop a relationship, your prayers can become more complicated, but really the best prayers that I've ever had have been in silence, just being with him and him stroking my hair and holding me and saying, I know what you need. You don't have to say a word. I got your back. Everything's yeah. fine, you know? And that's when, that's when miracles happen, when you have him by your side and holding on to you and helping you with your life. So there's no need to do life on your own. And our prayers are for everyone, that they have this beautiful, loving, intimate relationship through Jesus Christ to Father God and have life heal around them. Just start with yourself and heal your own life and then go and heal your family. And then we can start working on our culture. All right. <laughs> that's, that's the vision. So good. That reminds me of John 10, 10, because, you know, of course, you know, we know the first part of the verse isn't so happy, right? But let's go to the second part. I've came to give you life, life more abundantly. And like you said, so much joy. So I want to thank you guys, first of all, for being on. And I want to have both of you give one last piece of, uh, piece of advice on why should you be love? So Jean, we're going to start with you and then Dean, ladies first. <laughs> you should be loved because you are precious. Yeah, you are precious. And you are in the presence of other precious people. Mm, so good and we yeah. love you yeah thank you Tina. thanks thanks tina black you are precious too thank you so much yeah. and dean last words from you too why I, you should be love the the life that you live when you be loved and be loved is so much better than yeah. trying to do it yourself. Yeah. And it was designed in us. It's a hole in your heart that needs to be filled. And as you love and you be loved, as you love, as you be the love that creates the change in people around you, it 
it's just a life you'll never want to lose. You'll never go back to the drama of interpersonal relationships that are falling apart. Yeah. You'll never go back to trying to be uh, someone special because of your race. <laughs> I mean, or, or your, your money. <laughs> I tried that one. It didn't work. <laughs> uh, the prestige. I mean, all that stuff doesn't fill that hole. Yeah. So good, you guys. Yeah, once you taste significant, success will never satisfy. That's right. So thank you both so much for being significant in my life. I love you both very much and we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.